You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, Goat Flippers? It's your host, Lurk. And yes, this is a brand new episode of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Were you surprised when you woke up this morning, grabbed your phone, saw the notification that a new episode was uploaded? I'm sure you were, and I'm sure you have questions about that. The biggest question you have, I'm sure, is where have you guys been? It's been like 18 months. I haven't heard a peep from you guys. I haven't seen any episodes. I don't know what's going on. Fill me in. First and foremost, I want to go ahead and apologize for our grand absence of over a year and a half. The last episode we released was 79, Dallas Taylor of Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. That came out in October of 2021, and I think we recorded that like August, September sometime of that year. After the first or second day of covering Furnace Fest in 2021, we went to this bar, Marty's PM, had a couple drinks, and I started to kind of unload as to like why I was getting bummed out about doing the podcast and what I was bummed out with things about lamb goat. So I started kind of like venting to my friends about this situation and what I should do. Cause at some point I kind of like, I didn't know if I wanted to do the podcast anymore. I know that sounds shitty to say, and I know that's probably not awesome to hear, but at that particular time it had been like two, three years of doing the podcast. And I wasn't super stoked with how things were being handled or where we were at as a podcast at that particular point. So I just was trying to grasp and find like what a reason was for me to continue to keep doing it. And in doing so, my good friend Dylan at the, at the time when we were at the table there, he kind of just, uh, you know, threw out a blanket statement, which at the time seemed like a big giant joke, but he said, why don't you just buy lamb goat? And, you know, I told him, I was like, that's hilarious. I don't think it's, it's probably more expensive than we all think. And it's probably a lot more involved than we all think. And, you know, one thing led to another. We enjoyed the rest of the weekend. And honestly, on the trip back, it was a long 12, 11 hour drive. You know, I kind of just asked everybody in the car. I said, I know we were joking about that at the bar, but like, is there any grain of truth to anybody wanting to actually, you know, pursue that or purchase lamb goat? And after some conversation internally with us, you know, we kind of decided that it's viable to do that. We have the ability to do that. Let's go ahead and see if we can. And then, of course, you know, long story short, we talked to Alex. He was, a, you know, he was up for it. It took a while to kind of like talk him into giving up Lamb Goat. It's something that he created, you know, from the ground up. He's been running it for 22, 23 years, posting news every day. I mean, he's just been, you know, it's a giant burden for him to just kind of like post news all day long, uh, you know, for 23 years. And, you know, I think it just was the right moment, right time, right people even uh, to kind of take on the legacy of what Lamb Goat's next chapter will be. So yeah, that's like the quick summary version of the events that has taken place in the last 18 months. Uh, it just goes to show you that, you know, I landed this whole gig by tweeting Alex and then, you know, three and a half years later, I'm now the CEO and, you know, owner of Lamb Goat. And, you know, it's something I'm pretty passionate about. Uh, this music is something I'm pretty passionate about if you haven't picked up on that yet. And I'm just trying to grow this music scene as much as possible. And I think uh, with Lamb Goat, you know, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to expand into to a bunch of different areas that, you know, Lamb Goat normally hasn't been in. Uh, a lot of that has to do with video content and a lot of other things that we plan on doing. Uh, we just plan on being more 
involved in everything and you'll you'll probably see us more out and about depending on where we're at and if that's the case and you see us make sure you come up and say what's up we always like talking to people we've met a lot of people at furnace fest and other shows and other places that we've been in the last year so it's really cool to meet you guys and like put a name to the face or you know vice versa so with that said make sure you support the patreon everything that we do video wise or other kind of content that's not related to just news posting or reviews or anything that goes on directly on the website like via text we will be putting on the Patreon first, and we plan to do a lot of video content coming up, a lot more podcasts, a lot more shows, a lot more just content in general that hopefully you all find interesting. So we will have that rolling out in the next couple of weeks, months. We've already started putting content on our YouTube channel, so make sure you go check that out. And to those small few people who think Lamgoat will change or think Lamgoat has changed, I promise you it has not. We are not changing anything about it. I love the website the way it is. I've always visited for the last 20-something years, so I have no plans to change it or shake anything up. The anonymous comments are here to stay. We're going to cover the same bands. If anything, the new bands we cover are just new bands that you know you should know about and maybe don't be an old fogey and check out new bands, you know. But we will have new bands, same old bands. We're not going to start covering any kind of like mainstream stuff or anything like that. There's bands we don't cover still that we won't cover and we're not planning on. So, yeah, nothing's changing. We're still the bad boy on the block. They hate us. We hate them. And without further ado, you can follow me, your boy, Lurk, on Twitter and Instagram at Lurk City. That's L-U-R-K-C-I-T-Y. Find out what's going on in the scene and with your favorite band over at lambgoat.com. Give Lambgoat a like on Facebook, and you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lambgoat. Make sure you subscribe to Lambgoat's YouTube page as well. Outside of just the podcast, we have a lot of content, live shows, and other pieces of content that are coming out on there. And if you want to see it all first before it gets to YouTube, make sure you're a Patreon supporter and they get first access to literally everything. Plus, no ads on the website. And last but not least, if you enjoy the podcast, if you missed us while we were gone, if you think you're going to enjoy us as we continue going forward, make sure you give us a like or rating on whatever platform you're listening to this particular podcast on. It greatly helps us out in the algorithm and gets us out to people. And now the moment you've all been waiting for. You've been hearing it build in the background for the last couple seconds, that sweet, sweet, unholy riff. Your boy's back. The podcast is back. The van flip is here. Let's play that fucking intro. Oh yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh yeah, this is the stuff. Oh no. Lamb Goat presents. The Van Flip Podcast. Welcome, everyone. It's been quite a long time. That's all my fault, but there's a lot that's been going on in the background, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. I also want to apologize to Pedram. I've been going back and forth with him for a number of months, almost 10 plus months, um, back when we were running the podcast at a normal speed. I had reached out to uh, Pedram. He's in a band called Frontier, and they had just released or were planning to release their 2001 uh, banger album, Oxidized, and I had kind of wanted to get you guys on. But alas, the things have uh, transpired to where uh, we kind of hung the podcast up for a number of months. So this is this is my first podcast back, technically, uh, that, we've, that we'll put out. 
because I did a podcast that I won't put out, and everyone probably knows the podcast I was talking about with Jordan Buckley. But this is our first official podcast back 10, 11 months ago. I had to cancel on you, and I promised you, Pedram, that you would be the first one back. And so here we are on a Saturday morning for me. I think it's Saturday afternoon for you. I'm not completely sure, but I think you're located in Scotland, if I'm if I'm correct, correct? Yeah, I'm in Edinburgh and Scotland, yes. I can't. All right. So, again, we are here with Pedram Villani. Oh, my God. Just, I butchered it. I waited too long to say it after repeating it for so long. So, Pedram, go ahead and just let everybody know who you are and where you're from and, you know, your bands and stuff like that. Sweet. Pedram Valiani. Uh, I'm uh, from Edinburgh. I live in Edinburgh and Scotland, and I play in Frontier. I also play in uh, Section, and for those of you who maybe don't know or haven't really been following me as long as others. I also have a little post-rock side project called We that hasn't released anything in quite some time. But uh, it's great to be here, Dave. I'm glad we could uh, we could we could finally arrange it and, and stuff. Yeah. We've been talking. We've been talking since it was like October last year when the record came out. So I appreciate you reaching out. I think it was like through Twitter or whatever we yeah. uh, we had linked up. So it's really cool to be here and go cool be the first official podcast. Uh, so yeah, it's great. Yeah, you're the first official podcast under new management slash ownership. So, uh, you know, if those who don't know, Lamgo has switched over hands and uh, myself and a group of people are now running uh, the the inmates are running the asylum, as they would say. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, But, you know, that's the reason we started the podcast back up. So, again, I thank you for your your patience. Uh, But, you know, I do want to again thank you because we've gone back and forth trying to do this every couple of months and it just seemed like we would start the podcast or we'd have the idea to start the podcast up, but then, you know, oh, let's wait a little bit, wait a little bit. And then we kind of recently, we had a solid date recently and then we kind of, you know, things happen. And here we are again, a couple of days later, but I'm glad that you're here. Um, again, it's not when we wanted to, when the album came out, but Hey, the album has been soaking and uh, soaking in the water for, for, for a year almost now. So how's it been? I mean, you know, that, that thing came out and it was, um, it was abrasive and punched you right in the face from the get-go. For those who don't, you know, for those who don't know your band, um, how would you describe Frontier's sound and how would you describe that album? Oh, I don't know. I, I, angry, angry core, like, uh, I don't know. I tend to use sonic punishment as like the label for it. I'm I'm not really sure. People people that listen to it tend to come up with better adjectives and uh you know descriptions than 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 we do. Um I don't know, I'm not really I'm not really huge on like too much hyperbole behind it, but uh yeah, I mean we we've, we've had some 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 cool uh cool descriptions in the past. Um I think my one of my favorites is uh one of our 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 friends and and fans, a guy called Dave Dave Mace. He's uh, from Belgium. In our, we did like a documentary with Banger TV a few years back. We had Brad from from Banger TV out with us, and Dave described it as uh, I think it was Dillinger Escape Plan, fucking Mashiga in the ass, and someone else was wanking in the corner or something like that. It was it was a pretty I mean I'm I'm sorry for the expletives for those listening <laughs> that maybe don't like the profanities, but it was pretty pretty intense. But um yeah the record's been out for a little while now and the response has been insane. Um probably as good as it could be because of COVID, but we kind of deliberately held off with with the record 
um sort of sort of good timing anyway with with what kind of happened we just kind of held off until we thought right well when are we going to be able to get back and do shows with this and i mean this record has still been punching me in the face because i just came back from a little tour there and uh feeling pretty bruised and, and battered after all so it was good fun though it was good fun yeah um it's kind of to me it's <clears throat> i hate using the term like noise but it definitely has a noise element to it because you guys are using so many different sounds and whatnot. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you're the main contributor to uh, the songwriting for the band. Yeah, that's right. I do all the uh, all the writing and, and recording and instrumentation, basically everything except the the vocals. Chad Chad does all the vocals. He basically gets like a polished song that's instrumental over to him. He'll do his bit and then he'll send me his contribution back. I'll mix it in and then we'll maybe tweak some vocal parts here or there. If we've got like an idea for something that he's not picked up, then he'll maybe go back and re-record it. So there's a little bit of iteration there, but I, I do basically everything else. And on the, the latest record, I did some some melodic vocals on the last one, uh, which was new for us, new for me, and I'm hoping to expand on that on future releases as well. So. Cool. Yeah, just uh, rewinding as well back. I was going to say, congratulations on uh, picking up Lamb Goat now, and I'm, I'm sure you'll be adding uh, a lot more to the legacy and stuff. So I just wanted to say well done on that well, as well, man. Well, thank you very much, Pedro. We'll, we'll see on that. It's the, Again, the jury's still out on that. It's been two months. We'll see where we go. Cool. But hopefully up and onward. That's what I think. Um, so, yeah, so technically, it's basically you and Chad's project. How does that fill out, though, for the live stuff? Like, do you guys have, is it always going to be, you know, you're the mastermind behind the project and then you're going to have just kind of like hired guns to help you play your live shows? Or will you ever kind of open this project up to maybe like, you know, other people uh, joining in, not only as a live performer, but also as a contributor to the songwriting process and such? Yeah, I mean, like, just to just to correct you, like, it really isn't just all me, especially when it comes to live stuff specifically. You know, like, um, our other guitarist Dan, he's doing all the, you know, we have we have uh, booking representation and stuff now, but but Dan basically does all of the legwork when it comes to coming on tour and stuff. And Callum, our uh, our bass player. He speaks like five languages when we go on tour and stuff, especially in Europe. It's useful because he can do all the merch and that's really helpful. Um, but also like he does backing vocals live where, you know, where Chad likes them kind of filled in. Like he he adds his own backing vocals and stuff. So there's definitely scope for it in the future. For me personally, on the writing perspective, I am not in a place like I'm in a place where I still have buckets of ideas and things that I just want to have a lot of the final say on but it doesn't mean i'm not open to input so with like the last album specifically i sent all the songs in their like finalized or demo form and got feedback from the band now whilst they weren't necessarily writing or recording with me we uh you know i gathered like the feedback from that and it kind of helped influence some of the some of the parts of the songs like the nuances and the final bits and stuff and um i think you know there might be a time down the line, I don't know, 10 years or whatever, five years, however many years, where we do do something more cohesively as like a five-piece band, but we just got a new drummer and he's just settling into performing live. And I think not getting everybody involved in the writing 
allows things to kind of move along at the right pace whilst not like sacrificing anything on what we're going for in terms of sound because I think everybody in the band is kind of on a similar page with the sound and they're pretty happy with like the output generally so for them it's like cool we don't have to all get in a room or a studio and like sit and write for ages because I'm just throwing stuff out and getting their feedback on it you know yeah um that makes sense yeah yeah so was that the idea behind this project um specifically that it was kind of just forged more so by you by you and your ideas was that the idea of you creating frontier uh is that does it is it different from your other bands and projects in that aspect not really because like i just I like writing music. Like I, I think the rest of the guys obviously do as well. Dan's got his little side project, Lift, um, and Callum's playing in a, a friend, a local band here called Code Speaker now. So, like we all write like writing music, but I just spend a disproportionate level of my time writing it, and have done historically for ages. So whenever it's come to like a new project, whether it was Sectioned or Frontier or whatever. I was just sort of the driving force because I had the material written and then I was like, cool, let's get the band together. Let's get the shows together. Let's do this. Let's do that. And everybody else has kind of come in tapped in and then we've built something from that. Uh, the whole connection with Chad came about through MySpace years ago, you know, and that's oh, uh-huh. almost 10, 10 years ago, like more than 10 years ago, like means Chad first started chatting. So it's uh, it's been a very slow incremental um, shift in sound and getting stuff together. It's been it's been cool, but I can't believe it's been like 10 years since we, more 10 years since we like met and started chatting since the first EP came out. It's pretty nuts thinking about it, to be honest. Yeah, no, 10 years ago, MySpace, what was that, 2012? It was already past its prime. So it's probably more like 14, 13 years or so like that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so you guys just got done get, uh, doing a European tour. Um, I know for the most part, Frontiers is more of a new project for you guys in the last couple of years however you like everyone else had to deal with uh you know the world being put on hold and such so you guys just got done touring europe how's it been finally getting out there as a as a band to you know perform these songs more so than just surviving covid just because you guys basically had limited uh you know stage presence prior to yeah, it's been amazing. The reactions of all the fans and the crowds and stuff has been nuts. Like the festival shows were wild. It was great to play with um, some more experienced touring bands. So we um, we were headlining some shows with Godmother from Sweden, but we were also supporting Suffocation and Rivers and Isle and um, Humanity's Last Breath on a few dates, playing with Ingested. And then we had these like you know big festival shows, so it was a really good mix to come back to between like small intimate club level, then kind of medium sized venue, and then like big festival stage. It's been like a really good welcome back pick and mix um, that's allowed us to uh, to further, you know, further our rage on stage after some time apart. But like whether you know even with COVID and stuff like that, we were still busy behind the scenes. Like we were still doing stuff, or we were putting some merch out. Like I think every band's probably still got stuff going on behind the scenes all the time just isn't you know necessarily playing gigs like we were still grafting behind the scenes and getting stuff done so um yeah. it was actually kind of a welcome break i think in in some ways to be honest yeah i think a lot of people weren't looking at it 
at the time as that. But now that things are kind of slowly coming back, they're realizing that it, it was good to probably get a breather in that you normally wouldn't have ever been able to get in. Um, so you guys, so Pe- Pedram's a very unique name. Uh, that's something that I've always thought when we started corresponding, that it's very unique. And then it's very unique uh, that you live in Scotland. Is that like, uh, is the name in your family name, is that a Scottish lineage type name or did you guys come from, did you guys immigrate from a different area of, the, of Europe or the, of the world or? So my dad's Iranian, so I'm half Iranian and my mom's Scottish, so I'm half Scottish. But then I have a lot of family on my mom's side who emigrated to Canada when she was a lot younger. So I have Ooh. loads of cousins and aunties and uncles and stuff in Canada mainly around the East Coast, like in Ontario. Um, so I have a lot of family out there. But yeah, my, my name is is uh, is Iranian. Though my surname um, is also Italian and uh, Farsi, which is the language uh-huh. Iran, is like an, an Indo-European language. So whilst it uses Arabic script, it's got some words in Farsi are coincidental with some European words. So I kind of have to wonder if um, my last name maybe has some Italian heritage somewhere. <laughs> uh, it's actually it's actually a double barrel. So my, my, my full full name is Pedram Homiyun Valiani. My last name is Homiyun Valiani, double barrel. The Homiyun part is like, uh, you can, you can hear that in like India and you can hear that in, in Iran. It's just spelled or pronounced slightly differently. And the Valiani part is like Italian. So... Maybe I'm Italian somewhere. Who knows? We gotta get Who you knows? a twenty. We gotta get you one of those twenty-three and me's so you can see where your lineage is. Uh, it's always interesting yeah. uh, for people over on that side of the world because everything is so you know so close together and everything. So I don't want to say old, but they have a lot more history over there uh, because you know civilization has been established over in that part of the world for a much longer time than it has say over here in the West. But it's very interesting to see what where everything comes from over there because everything is so tight knit. Like. You, know, you, can, you can get uh, Iranian and Scottish and mix it together, even though those don't seem like they would necessarily go together. Not that they don't go together, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a big melting pot of culture in, in the UK and like 40 miles, you know, drive 40 miles from where I am now and the, the accent is like a West Coast accent is very, very different. Like I think the UK has got um, the country with one of the most diverse ranges of accents um in the world i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure i read that at some point someone can correct me on it but it's, it's pretty nuts um and yeah we have generally speaking uh, other than some parts on this tour we have much shorter drives between shows because things are more compact so uh, you know, <laughs> no, no americans love coming here because uh you got much less you know an eight-hour drive is nothing for you it's like a fucking short drive comparison to where we used to, where over here, like air is driving, it's just like oh, exhausted. Yeah. So how does how does somebody with the with the heritage of Iranian and Scottish find their way into, you know, heavy music? Like, what drew you in from what your parents were listening? Because clearly they weren't listening to anything probably remotely that sounds like anything you guys create. So like, how do you fall into the niche of like, you know, not only playing heavy music but just like liking and listening to heavy heavy music yeah like my my parents like i guess they like music but as very casual listeners and my dad again my dad's two favorite i'd say musicians or like 
yeah, musicians would be like Michael Jackson or Gypsy Kings. Like he fucking mm. loves like like you know classical like Spanish guitar. Like he, he loves that. Um, whereas my mum is like a Diana Ross fan, and my first ever concert was a Diana Ross concert that I went to when I was really young. Nice. And after that, it was System of a Down. So how did <laughs> I get into how did I get into that? Well, um, honestly, like the thing that piqued my curiosity was seeing all the other kids at school wearing offspring corn and slipknot hoodies and me having no idea why what this thing was like why are people wearing this thing what does it symbolize what does it mean like i genuinely had no clue and uh i you know i started off listening to now that's what i call music compilation cds when i was younger and i had like a little tape man and then was it the uk version or the us version because uk has its own version yeah, okay. yeah, we had, we had, yeah, it was the it was the UK version. It was sort of start off with the UK version. Um, so then I got into like one or two songs were like a gateway track, like either Daniel Beddingfield track or like Wheatest Teenage Dirtbag. Things started to kind of like <laughs> yeah. kind of pick up on like this like incremental scale. And then I guess like so you know, I saw everybody wearing the uh, those hoodies, and I was like what the hell is this? Like, I need to find out more. Like, everyone's listening to this stuff and, like, they're dressing, like, weird. Not weird, but, like, comparatively weird because I was like, what, like, what is this world? So I uh, I went, you know, as, as you do, I had, like, uh, Kazaa uh, at the mm-hmm. time um, on my, my Dell PC that was a fucking brick with a CRT monitor on it. It's like our family computer. And I was like, oh, I want to check this out. So um in fact no tell you a lie it wasn't the Dell we had upgraded to a Sony Vow at that point which was really swish at the time I think it had like I think it had like 20 gig of HD like space so it was like at the time that was like insane um anyway (laughs) anyway got it from Costco yeah anyway uh sweet five-year guarantee um I downloaded like I just went on a binge like I downloaded Slipknot, I downloaded like by accident. I ended up downloading like Slipknot music videos. So I downloaded like the video for Spit Out at the same time. I downloaded like Alien Ant Farm. I downloaded Linkin Park. Like just, I just basically went on a binge. You know, I was like, I know I'm not going to listen to all this, but I'm going to download it all. I'm going to cycle through it. And then I think, you know, a few of the first tracks I played were like I played more off of Anthology by Alien Ant Farm because I really liked movies because that was on the Now That's What I Call Music compilation. So I was like, I want to listen to more of their stuff. And I, I still love that album today. And then I watched the video for, for Spit It Out uh, by Slipknot and I was like, what the fuck? Like yeah. I, hadn't seen, and I hadn't seen The Shining either. Like I hadn't seen The Shining either. So I was like, this is fucking crazy. But I was like, I love it. Like I was like, I was instantly, like I was instantly bobbing my head. And I used to do this thing when I was younger when I was like, you know, between the ages of maybe seven to, to 11 or something like that, whenever I listened to music I liked, I would sit on like my, my little, like the couch or the chair. And instead of headbanging, I had this thing where I would just like rock my head back off like the pillow and I would mm-hmm. like do that until I fell asleep. But that was me like enjoying the music I liked at the time, which was like No Limit by, was it, was it Pure Volume? Whoever did like, that really fucking it's a really fucking annoying song for a lot of people and now that i've said it whoever's listening is gonna be like no you've ruined my day um end up listening to no limit loads that was that was a gateway track uh so yeah basically after downloading stuff off kazaa that started it and then that started my interest in like uh, instruments and um i had a friend who 
who was like my best friend at school and he he picked up violin uh, as an instrument and we were we were quite close and like my mom was always trying to get me to do something she was like you need to like do something like try something out like try something new so you know tried like various sports like football and badminton and like just random things like tennis and stuff and then when he came along and started doing violin I was like oh maybe I'll try like an instrument so I went I did violin for two months fucking hated it so I was like <laughs> how the hell like like holding it up to your chin I was like who does this for fun? Like, why Why are we doing it like this? Why does it not rest in your lap like a guitar? That just felt more natural right. to me. So I was like, right, okay, this is not for me. Bailed on the violin. And uh, one of my cousins, I, I really looked up to him was younger and still do like, but we're like, we're obviously like growing up now, but he had a, he had a classical guitar. And like, I remember anytime I went around to my aunties, I always used to just want to like play with it, even if it was like doing nothing. And so I decided to pick up guitar. So I picked up a classical guitar and uh, I'll stop there before I tell any more stories. But um, <laughs> that, that's me just gone into a world of my own for like five minutes telling you about the, the background. Yeah, but that's good though, because now I get to ask you, your first intro to Slipknot is the Spit It Out music video. You don't necessarily know what they sound like prior to. So your first taste of it is also the visual of seeing the band itself. So like, yeah. how did that, because like, you know that not to downplay any other artist that you brought up but that's the heavier artist that you brought up in your little mention right just now so you go from alien ant farm which again no hate on that i, I think everyone probably listened to an anthology uh, at one point in their life in their in their trajectory of music uh, whether it's smooth criminal smooth criminal movies or another single off of that album uh, they were everywhere that band back in the day so you go from Alien Ant Farm, you know, enjoying that from the Now compilations, uh, the UK Now compilations, to accidentally downloading the video for Spit It Out. And then now you're introduced into a whole other world where you're looking at this eight-person band or nine-person band with masks and just screaming and making the most obscene music at the time for the most part. How did that kind of affect you just visually seeing it for the first time? Because that's like a clean slate. You know, you got like a an honest interpretation of like what it's supposed, what that was supposed to be. It was, it was shock, but do you know what? Like I didn't, it's funny. Like I, I was shocked. I was like, what the hell is this? This is weird. But I didn't actually end up watching the full video on the first pass. I watched like the, the, like up until you started seeing some of the crowd shots, I think in that video. And then I basically put the tab for Windows Media Player in the background and started looking up more music. So I was just listening to it. So I was like, I was shocked initially, but like <clears throat> sometimes, yeah, I think I think with that in that case, I, I wasn't like so shocked that I have to see the full video. I was just so engrossed in the music itself that I was like, I need to find more, and I also need to keep listening to what I've got right now. And I just couldn't tab manage evidently on that Windows XP lap, like computer from back in the day. So I was like, you know, had to kind of keep going looking at looking at stuff. But yeah, it was it was it was shocking. But they didn't really stop there. When I went to high school, um, I think it was like early. It was just before high school. Like when I went to high school, a band that genuinely frightened me next was. Lamb of God, listening to As the Palace is Burned for the first time. Yeah. Like when I listened to that and I heard Randy Blythe's voice and he sounded like somebody screaming while somebody had slit his throat because he's got like the most wet voice ever. I was yeah. like, holy shit, like 
this is actually genuinely scary. And they kind of do that harmonic minor, like, you know, kind of, kind of like Middle Eastern-y vibe to the music as well. So it was it was a bit like, you know, compared to a lot of the other metal, it felt a bit different to what I was listening to. So I was intrigued by that. And at the same time I was listening to them, uh, I got handed Chaos Fear by Meshuggah. So that was oh. like when I was 15, which would have been, you know, that's like 17 years ago. Um, so the shock factor continued and i think that had an influence on me because that's the real thing that drives me in my writing and my music is emulating that shock factor for other listeners when they listen to my stuff so that's what that was my next question like you know how did you kind of how did you kind of fall into like wanting to do this particular style of music let alone being a band but like that makes some sense because you know you were shocked and you liked that appeal to uh, that you felt when you originally found this music, found these bands. So it makes a sense. It makes sense that you want to just keep following that. So, so how do we get from, it sounds like you kind of didn't, and this happens periodically, like it happened for me. I was basically like the source for my own self to learn about music on the internet. I didn't have like an older brother or another friend, maybe that was already ingrained into like, the metal or hardcore scene or whatnot like you know my trajectory was a little like yours whereas i also was listening to alien and farm and those kind of new metal bands on, on mtv for the most part and uh you know that was basically you know me kind of stepping away from whatever my parents were listening to whatever pop music was going out you know whatever pop music was going on in the late or early 90s and then you know nirvana and some other kind of grunge acts started coming in so I started to find myself kind of like leaning towards that. And it might've been just because of the imagery of like the grunge scene and the alternative scene at the time wasn't like cookie cutter, like, you know, everything else was. And who knows, that's maybe why I like even went further down and got into the even more dirtier seat, like dirtier genres, of, you know, people who don't shower and just mosh pit all day long. So <clears throat> how do you go from, you know being in scotland you you lived in scotland your whole life correct i've been here i've been in this city my whole life yeah i've been, okay. been in edinburgh my whole life i've just been privileged enough to travel elsewhere so how is it that you what do you make the jump from like slipknot's not you know um a crazy underground band but how do you get into like heavier bands like more metal bands like you you said you found the sugar later on so that's kind of like what i'm hearing is like you're we're starting to get like a trajectory to where you're going into like a more heavier vibe, just because again, you're the person that's finding these songs and these, and these bands, like, or, you know, do you have someone later on down the line that's showing you more like metal and more hardcore type records? It's honestly just by most of the time it's either by curiosity or by chance. So like chance was Lamb of God and Meshuggah at the same time, because a guy who I went to school with high school with, gave our bassist who I sat next to in the same class, both of those CDs to, for him to listen to and learn. And we both liked metal and we both played in like a high school band at one point. So I was like, Oh, I've not heard these. Like I'm going to check them out. So that then took things up like a level from like Slipknot to there. And then as time went on, it was like not necessarily getting heavier per se, but you know, when I was, you know, early twenties or whatever, I didn't get into Converge until a lot later, but that was because our bassist was really into like punk and hardcore and I'd never really dabbled in any of it. So then when he introduced me to Converge, I listened to a couple of records. And I was like, 
at this point I was quite in like quite nerdy and into my production and stuff but like some earlier converged stuff like I, I still think some of it produ- production wise just doesn't sound up to like the standard right but like yeah. I was like oh no this this I was like oh no I disregard it. I was like oh this is suck this sucks and my gateway album with Converge was Axe to Fall which I was like I still think is like their best sounding record and then again that was by chance because that was you know Mitchell our our uh, old bassist who now does all the design stuff for Frontier and that he had he was wearing Converge shirts and I was like I kept getting like he kept throwing in like Converge re- like references when he was talking to me about examples for you know song ideas and stuff and I was like oh, I keep hearing this like what the fuck is this I'm gonna check it out and then I did and then I'm like oh cool so I need to fucking add a million punk beats into like all of my tracks now so you know that that was then another thing in the sonic palette like i start to think from instead of just listening to bands and enjoying them i start to think like oh what can i add to my like the thing i want to make and that was like cool i'm going to take some punk punk beats from here and i'm going to put that somewhere and then you know um you know, finally one of the biggest influences that i don't actually understand i don't actually know where i got them from was was Tony Danza. Like I genuinely don't oh. know where where my love for like all of Josh's guitar work came from. Like I don't know who introduced me to Danza three. I think I saw people talking about Danza two and I listened to like the earlier stuff. I was like again it was kind of like converge where I was like mm, the production's not really grabbing me along with the songwriting. And then I listened to three and I was like, oh this is way more accessible. And I was like shit, this is insane. Um but I did have like an appreciation for for Lane because he was an, an immense guitar player i think just three resonated with me more and then that was another level of like this is something else heavy not necessarily heavier but it's something in the realm of like you know intense metal that i'm like oh i, I you know there's something i can also take from and then yeah. put it in the putting in the melting pot of, of riffs Does that makes sense yeah um it does and y- your your journey to finding converge also makes sense because like you uh i also I don't not like the earlier converge material, but it does sound a little uh, different because when you, I get, I got into them off and on. Um, I got into them. Obviously they were always around when I was younger because they were playing shows so heavily and they were touring a lot. So I would catch them all the time, but this is around like the Jane Doe era. And I wasn't really too into that particular version of um, converge. However, like, you know, uh, You Fail Me and Axe to Fall and all those albums started coming. And that's when I started going like, okay, I can get with this. Also, the production and stuff like that is going, you know, getting better and better since they all do everything in-house for the most part. But I tell you what, that band is one of my favorites now. And it's just one of those things where you sit with something long enough, you can enjoy it even more so. And it just, you know, like you said, you have to like, not force yourself, but you have to actually put in work into liking some of these, you know, artists and some of these genres. So um, it's pretty cool. You mentioned Josh from Tony Danza. You guys, um, I don't necessarily know if it was you per se, but I know some guys from your band did some work with Josh on a, on a, on a, uh, on a track, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So Chad, uh, Chad was in another band with Josh called When Knives Go Skyward. And um, through Chad, like I, I've not met Josh physically, like in person, but we, you know, we we chatted a lot, like online and stuff, and WhatsApp and whatnot. And uh, he's he's an absolute legend. Um, he's a really really nice guy, one of the nicest people. Like with the the ratio of talent to nice guy is like 
perfect. Like a guy's insanely gifted guitar player and like the nicest guy ever. Um, so him and Ch- him and Chad uh, were in a band when they go skyward, and you know they're they uh, they still track track quite a bit, and um, they just released the. Well, I think Chad just put up the When Knives Go Skyward record that was that was quite old. It's just gone up on Bandcamp and stuff now. So, and um, that's where that that's where the connection comes from. It's through Chad. Cool. Um, how often do you guys get? Have you guys as as a band? Well, let me back up because I'm interested in knowing this story. If there is a story, the name of the band is very unique. It's like obviously Frontier with ER on the end of it. So let's. Let's go ahead and wind back how we got to that point of frontier. Because I always think that I'm saying it wrong because it sounds so unnatural. I'm so used to it now, but like <laughs> for me, for me, I, I I didn't I didn't give a shit about names, and I was like, as long as it doesn't, as long as it's not offensive, like overly offensive as a title, like I'm like whatever. And I tend to gravitate towards things that are more like like song names or album names or things that are neutral or people can draw their own conclusion to. So Chad picked the word like frontiersman or something like that. And I was like, no, that sounds shit. Like let's change something else about it. And then he just, I don't know what he did. He just bastardized that and made it frontier. And I was like, I think at that point we were, I was just like desperate to get like the name sorted so that you could get the cover sorted for the art and all that sort of stuff. Like I get everything ready for releasing it. So I was like, yeah, that'll do. Because honestly, like David, I I viewed Frontier as like I'm never going to play this live. Like I'm never going to be like oh, a live yeah. band. It was literally like section was my thing. And you know what? That was actually the and I'd say that to anybody else. That was like the best thing you can do to provide yourself um, no creative limitations is to just be like genuinely who gives a fuck like i'm never gonna play it live which is like what influenced the writing and the riffs and all that sort of stuff in its like infancy was just who cares like who yeah. cares literally like let, let it be its thing so that's where frontier came from it was chad just making no grammatical sense out of uh, uh another word and then we just were like cool let's get over with if there's any value in it people will attribute that to the name at the time and not yeah. really care about the name you know yeah, no, I get it. It definitely, I mean, it's always stuck out. The word stuck out. Uh, you know what else stuck out? The album, the album artwork too. I mean, it sucks really that, because I, I don't want to elaborate so much on the album because it's already been out a year at this particular point, and I'm sure you got other things in the canon, and we'll talk about that later. But the thing that really stuck out was the name. Um, I found you guys, you know, it's funny you say that we conversed on Twitter because that's how I kind of found you. Um, you know, I started making it a point to listen to a lot more people on Twitter as far as what they're talking about and whatnot, because especially like younger generations, um, I feel like you guys are, uh, you guys have a, a, a youthful fan base for the most part too. Not saying that people our age don't listen to this kind of music, but you know, you kind of clicked with the younger metalcore kids too, which is good because then, you know, the retweets and the shares and all that stuff start piling up. So you get your band out there. But the other thing that I feel like helped that was not only the name, but the album artwork too for the Oxidize was just, uh, you know, it was a cool color palette for one, but it's very digital, um, you know, pixelated. And I feel like it does play into the music very well because uh, it's, you know, I try to sit here and think of like how I can explain your sound to somebody. And it's quite hard because it is so, uh, I hate saying noisy because that's just a shitty term, but it is very noisy, complex, aggravated, abrasive. 
you know, it does punch you right in the mouth from from right away. You guys got a, you guys have a lot of, you know, I can see some Slipknot, like heavy Slipknot elements in it, but I can also see, you know, a little bit of loathe in there, not necessarily on the groove, well, maybe even with the groove, but, you know, you're not as light in places as loathe is, but you guys definitely sample and use, you know, noises and, and other, you know, elements to the music that make stuff stand out really, really well. Um, is that something that's kind of par for the course over there in, you know, in your neck of the woods where you kind of are sampling more and you're just adding these elements in? And uh, I also want to ask you about how the writing process has changed, but let's go ahead with the question I just asked first and then we'll get into that. So just to recap, the original question was, has, <laughs> has, my, has my geographic location influenced how we write? Is that, is that kind of because you were yeah, saying like, just, Because like, I, I feel like you, um, a lot of the bands from that area of the world do incorporate a lot. But again, it's like we said earlier, it's a melting pot. So it seems like that would kind of you know, be an influence. Yeah, I think uh, initially when I started writing music, I think, unfortunately, I made a point of just trying to write something. Probably probably partially it was intentional that I would try and write something that wasn't like what was going on in our music scene here, but it was still kind of like metal. I think I had that element of it. And looking back on that, I'm like, it was really dumb because it wasn't a productive time period because I didn't actually end up writing songs I was genuinely ha like happy with that had that I felt had any replay value to them. It felt like it was riff spaghetti, you know. It didn't really have any any longevity to it. Um, but that was because, you know, it, maybe partially it was driven by that intention to to do something that wasn't really like what else was kind of on the scene or whatever. But then I didn't. I, I've never really been super active with local scene at all to be honest like dan and our guitar our guitarist and other man he has been over years because he's he's managed bands and stuff from scotland so i i started to care a lot less about what was happening on a local scene and look outward internationally like that was always my uh, focus it was never local scene i think i think that's probably a generational thing and i think it's also like a technology thing now, like, I think back in the day, you know, with hardcore bands and stuff coming up, like, the best way to get known was to be, like, kill your local scene, then kill that next yeah. scene, and then, move, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. move it because the internet wasn't a thing and stuff like that. And I think now it's, like, you know, I came into the period where it was, like, well, you know, nobody's coming to shows in, like, Edinburgh. Like, nobody's doing anything. Like, fuck this. Like, let's just put it online and, like, let's see how it does online because then there's more people out there who can pick it up, and then we'll see what opportunities come from it. So... It was the inter, being international was a much bigger drive, and I cared a lot more about that than just fulfilling local local scene. If that makes is sense, that, is it does and is, does that sit, play the same for sectioner, or was that just for frontier or all your projects? Is that how you look at it? I think section had a bit more of a homebrewed local thing for a bit, but it was definitely going more outward um, because it was my main project. The Frontier was just a sort of side thing where I wrote one track with Chad and then it incrementally took up more of my time. But with sectioned, um, yeah, it was it was more kind of locally, locally driven, at least initially. And to be honest, I, I kind of feel like the everything from section up until we released Annihilated was like 
practice for me being in a band and learning things and doing my first tour and learning more about being in a band with members who are on the same page and everything because I don't feel like anything that we had released before Annihilated was I mean for me at least it, it was it was literally all practice and Annihilated was with a totally different lineup you know it was most of the members of Frontier it was again it was me all writing it whereas the earlier section stuff which you, I don't even know if you if you maybe heard it a lot of it I got taken down on uh, I took it down off Bandcamp was <laughs> was like guitar pros guitar pro uh, tabs that our old bassist who's the designer Mitchell that he wrote and a lot of those songs were written by him so he didn't really have much of my input on it um hopefully I've answered your question there interesting enough yeah you, a little bit do you guys uh before I ask the same the question I was going to ask prior is section still um you know still doing stuff is it still I it, I mean obviously it may have been put on the background in the last like year or two because of the frontier project but do you do you still see yourself doing sections or are you still doing sections I think if there was a point where Chad couldn't tour anymore, but the rest of us were still up for it, I think then things would switch to me doing section more for a bit till I feel like I've fulfilled the touring void in my life. Um, but at the moment, because Frontier is so busy and there's like, you know, there's the like we've got tour coming up in October and stuff like that, and we've got a good momentum with it. I just genuinely don't have the time to put into everything else. Like between my day job, uh-huh. between doing the band and then doing all the stuff for the band, like we're kind of in the process of outsourcing some things that are just going to make more sense to manage outside. And, you know, between having a life with friends, between like personal development for my job, writing the music, recording the music, mixing it, mixing other bands, you know, got so many other things going on. It's just it's really difficult. So I, I don't think anything will happen with Section for the next wee bit. I would love to, and I've loved getting Jamie as a vocalist. Jamie's a vocalist from Section. He's also a tattoo artist um, here in Scotland. Uh, he He's a great vocalist. He's a great guy, and I'd love to do more stuff. Um, if I did anything, it would be online only. Like Maybe we'd release another Section album, but we wouldn't be touring behind it because there's... You know, I don't have enough holidays to do that and or, or time to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't have the time, man. Like, you don't, yeah, you don't. You, unfortunately, you have to work. You have to. Yeah. yeah unfortunately, yeah. Um, and that's you know, that's another thing that I like to talk about uh, when I talk to the artists and bands and stuff like that. That is something that doesn't really necessarily get brought up a lot is how your actual day to day just gets in the way of the project that you may be a part of. Whereas people have an idea of, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, rock star is like a, a, a something that a lot of people think, you know, the bands they see on stage every night, you know, their favorite bands, no matter what level of success they have, they just see it and they're in awe. And some people just think rock star. And so they, they equate that lifestyle to like bands within our scene and stuff like that, where, whereas, no, these guys, you know, have to like take off of work for X amount of weeks and to, to do tours. And sometimes that lifestyle choice also hinders, you know, their, you know, status in society. Whereas they maybe not be able to have like a, you know, a high, pay, well, I don't want to say that, but some, most people may not have like high paying jobs or 
jobs that have time that where you can take, you know, a month off and it'd be okay. Like usually those types of jobs that you're leaving frequently are, you know, borderline entry level jobs. And then you get stuck, you know, dealing with weighing out the options of, you know, is this music career worth it? Or am I, you know, passion over, you know, passion over your society, where you are in society. So it's interesting, you know, when people talk about that. So it's good that you kind of, you know, elaborated on that. But uh, going back to my question before I lose it from a couple of questions ago, you said that when you had previously started writing for Frontier, you know, you weren't really worried about it because no one was listening to it or at the time, no one was going to listen to it. Well, here we are a couple albums later and people are listening to it. So like, how does that affect, you know, going into a new idea? Oh, I mean, it definitely, it definitely helps um, motivate you into doing more. Like it, it, it motivates me into doing more. It motivates my curiosity more than anything um, to see where, where can we take this thing? Um, what can we do with this thing? So yeah, it's it's a it's it's a big motivator. It's not essential, um, because at the end of the day, if I want to write riffs and record riffs and make music, I'll do it anyway, and you know, stick it somewhere online. People can download it for free. And, you know, I, I don't care about that. But it's it's you know, it's got to a point where there is a, a modest following, and we're all very happy, and we've all got like good balance in our lives. Like everyone in the band can go back to the job thing. We all have our own careers and stuff. And um, I think sometimes ha having a band and doing music and stuff can feel a bit like having a tourniquet on every limb and your time is just like, or your limbs are just getting split between everything. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it's definitely a, it's definitely a motivator since, you know, as, as more people are kind of, are, are, are into it and really just seeing how, how people's reactions are to it, like how they feel about the music, what, what the music for, like, makes them do and when i say makes them do stuff i'm talking about like for example recently on the tour in europe like people coming out you know four or five hours away or flying countries to come and see us at gigs yeah you know fucking what like it's mental we we have quite a few fans who who do that we have a few fans on this tour doing that like you know quite a quite a good number not just one or two people but like you know, in the tens of people coming from different parts of Europe to come and see us because they knew we were on tour and they know it's a bit more of a rare thing to catch us. So they want to come and see it and they know there's no album out. So that's a great feeling. And that's awesome that people connect with it so strongly that they want to come out and do it. It, it gives me, if I could emulate that in my mind, it must feel like the same way where when I was younger, like some bands I loved, I was just like, oh my God, like they give me that dopamine rush that yeah. playing a riff or writing a new riff gives me now like that, that sensation. So if they feel that way, then that's amazing. Um, touring, let's get into touring because uh, there's a couple of questions I'd like to ask you, especially with like current situations going on over on the East. Um, remind me, because I may have not seen seen this but I, I don't think you guys have have you guys made it to america yet no -uh. yeah that's what, I, that's what i thought um i know that you guys which is odd because you guys like you said you were mentioning your october tour which is you know australia which is kind of a i feel like a bigger stretch than coming to america is going to australia because it's more uh first off i think it's further away i could be wrong about that it's further away oh, no, it is it's further away for me it's really from everyone. Yeah, it's just on the bottom of the world down there. But also, I feel like the crowds may be a little more limited. So 
it's interesting that you guys are going down there. No, not saying you shouldn't, but you know, um, how is touring for you guys before and after the the whole like conflict over there in Ukraine and Russia? Like, how does that affect you know your plans for touring? Uh, like, do you avoid those conflict areas? Not only maybe with the Russian Ukraine conflict, but obviously like you, you know, other conflicts sometimes pop up in different areas in Europe. So do you guys, like, how do you guys go about planning for that or avoiding that? Um, we haven't, you know, our, our touring plans haven't been directly affected by that in terms of the territories we visit or anything. We didn't have any plans to, to tour that far, that far East. So it's not, directly impacted us in 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 any way um and i mean yeah i, I don't know, maybe maybe it has in the sense of like <laughs> the cost of things going insane like brexit happening in the uk making it difficult mm. for bands like us to go and tour in europe and all the p- paperwork and, and and stuff There's explain been... explain that to people because like uh, a lot of people don't understand well brexit in general but how it would affect you you know and like your livelihood and in Europe, um, not, to, the, not to get you off topic, but you know, no, 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 it's it's fine. I I don't even know if I'm the best person to explain Brexit because <laughs> I'm not somebody. I'm not. I'm not. I, I mean, you know, I think people probably come on this podcast to escape it, but like, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not a supporter of it. Like, I I didn't I didn't vote for that shit. I, and I, it's basically I, what like Britain or you know the UK breaking off of the the euro, right? Was that basically what it was? Yeah, yeah, and and then a lot of Scotland, like you know, over sixty percent of Scotland didn't vote for that. They wanted to remain in the EU, um, but then we've had our own vote about remaining in the UK. So everyone just wants to kind of split off from everyone. Um, yeah, personally, I mean, I'm 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 somebody who's for for Scotland not being part of the UK, but being within the EU. Um, pretty much sure all the band are kind of in the same boat, um, from what I understand. And uh, I know that Chad. Is desperate to become a European citizen because he just wants out of America. He either wants out of America or he wants to be on the West Coast and live in Portland and just be surrounded by trees all day. Um, that's that's that that's what Chad wants. Um, but yeah, I mean the the impact of it has been pretty shit. I mean the you you know you have to get a carnet to go into Europe now as a band, so you have mm. to have a, a document with. If you're for, for those who don't know what that is, it's like a document that has every single bit of gear you're taking with the serial number, the country of origin, and the weight. You have to itemize all that. You have to get that uh, paid for, £600 valid for a year, and you can't change that list once you've got it. So you have to basically future-proof, future-proof and plan for your future tours. Otherwise, you ain't taking that bit of gear that you might want to take on the next tour. So if something, if something like breaks or... or you know stops working do you still have to lug that around with you because it's on that manifesto or that list oh yeah yeah like well it it, it will be on with you anyway so you, you you have to you have to keep it but you know if you replace that item and the item has a different serial number technically it should be on your carnet and it can't be amended so you know depending on where you buy it if you buy it in a european union country you're fine if you buy it outside the eu it should be in your carnet so it's uh it's just a bit of a shit state it makes it more of a headache for bands there's no you know one-stop shop location where you can get all that information dan and our band had uh worked with with calum our bassist to get all the carnet information and we filled it in ourselves we did it on our own 
Um, we had no problems with it, but I know bands who, you know, are on major labels uh, who didn't do it. They risked it. They didn't do it. They've been fined certain amounts of money or they've gone to consultants and had consultants, paid consultants thousands of pounds to do them. But we managed to do it on our own. And that felt like a, a little bit of a victory, but it's kind of bittersweet when at the end of the day, you just want to get over the the water into the mainland and just play the shows. It's just it's it's just so dumb, man. Like it's I'm I'm yet to see a benefit of any of this shit. Like it's yeah. it's just an absolute nightmare. Um so it's basically like a hindrance for you know art 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 for growth in art. Yeah, it is it is between between the UK and um Europe it's 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 a barrier. You know, it's an additional cost. Everybody's getting like pumped everywhere for costs and things, mm. whether it's fuel or energy or anything. And this is just another bureaucratic layer of bullshit. And another thing as well is that with the carnet, when you get it done, you can only go to certain ports. There's like loads of ports around the coast of Europe and in the UK that you can go, but there's only one or two at the moment where you can get that document signed before you leave the country. So on your tour routing, if you have, you know, we had a, a really daft tour routing that we had on the end of that tour there because we had to drive like we added an extra seven or eight hours worth of driving just because we had to go to the specific port to get our document signed and stamped before we went over the water like literally for a stamp that takes mm -hmm. 10 minutes it's just such a load of shit it really yeah. is sounds expensive um yeah and time consuming yeah um another uh, real quick question do a lot of bands or what's the music scene like in general on like the north part of Africa? Because I'm trying to think like, you know, you guys are traveling abroad, like to Australia. And I was thinking like there are a lot of areas, you know, within your general location. But do they listen? You know, do they have the ability to listen to this type of music or are they, you know, big into music? Whereas like is North Africa, uh, you know, in the Middle East, are those like areas where you guys just kind of like don't tend to go, whether it's because one reason or another, or is it just not viable? Genuinely don't have a clue. Like, honestly, <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. Um, I think the only part of, um, I mean, not even in Africa, but like sort of Middle Eastern region, because you mentioned it, but I think the only area with any sort of scene would be like Israel or something like that. I genuinely don't have a clue. I couldn't give you any information on that. With Australia, I mean, that's obviously th thousands of miles away. I mean, going back to a point you mentioned about, you know, it's, you know, you're saying it's weird that we're going to Australia before we're coming to America. Um, it, it is weird, but do you know what? Like this goes back to bureaucracy and, and paperwork and, you know, I'll try not to have a dig, but like ultimately, at the end of the day, um, you know, our our offer to come to Australia was a once in a lifetime opportunity where, you know, it's a zero expense thing for us, really, mm -hmm, ultimately, mm -hmm. and we wouldn't get that in the US. And the visa process is much more straightforward, and the visa process scares the shit out of everybody else coming over to the states. You know, Canada doesn't have that problem. Uh, we explored touring just Canada because there's you know you don't need a visa to go there and tour as a musician from the uk at least so like we could go there turn up pay flights and know that we're getting into the country um so it, it, it's really boiled down to like what's financially the most viable thing for us and if somebody's come along and give us an opportunity to go to their country and they're like you know we'll pay for everything or whatever the, the arrangements are um whatever those arrangements may be if they're financially viable 
then unfortunately for any fans in other territories, we're probably going to take those opportunities first because we, why wouldn't you? You know, what I mean, it, like it just makes right. more sense, right? Right. But we, I, I genuinely think like seventy percent of our, I'd say sixty to seventy percent, based on merch sales of our fan base are in the US. And whilst we've seen some crazy shit in Europe and we've seen some crazy dedicated fans, I genuinely think if we were to come over to the US, like we have some fucking nuts fans over there, like in the best way. And I, I would love to meet them all because I think we'd have so many insane stories from yeah. people who have followed us for years who want to see us and we have had americans like we've had americans that came over they went to like our tangent festival or some of the shows or whatever in europe because they're traveling in europe so like you know we're gonna come and see us and i think seeing them come from america even if it's like just making it part of their itinerary when they're over here to come and see us means a lot because they're coming over you know, nine times out of ten from what i can tell they're enjoying it and they're like fuck like need to get you over to like west coast like we need to have you in like san francisco or we need to have you in like detroit or wherever it is and i'm like oh, i really wish it was just so easy to come over <laughs> yeah no i yeah. really wish it was um so yeah bit of a tangent there but just on a kind of semi-related note to some of the stuff no yeah so do you not do you not get offers to come like touring do you not get tour package offers to come to america or is it just logistically and you know like is it just not financially worth it sometimes because of all the paperwork it's been on it's been in a really weird limbo place like over the last little over the last little while so we were originally represented by uh, an agent in the states and nothing really came to fruition um i think some expectations maybe on both parties were not kind of syncing up so it just kind of wasn't working so we we left the us to the side after a while and um only recently we've started talking to a new agent um in the states who's been like a much better fit i think for us and we've talked about a few possible like options but nothing's coming to fruition because we've got again this problem of like limited availability in holidays with you know our own work holiday life balance and life balance between time with partners and then chad really i mean he he's he's got the most like you know 15 business days of of time off because of his job and the us doesn't give you an entitlement to any time off whereas you get buckets in europe so it's it's hard to be like well okay mr american agent what is you know what's our guarantee is going to be like how's this all going to cost at the end the visa cost is like extortionate and you've <laughs> seen like bands like bands like architects and north lane and shit pull out of coming yeah. over because they couldn't get a visa consultation in time and i'm like if those bands are struggling to get over and they can't get consular appointments like like that just you know it just makes you think well now's not the time again unfortunately now is not the time you know when is going to be the good time um so it's there's really just it's, it's just a real fine balancing act but i'm i'm very hopeful like our new our new agent has honestly worked his ass off to just bring us a few offers um and a few opportunities and it's a much better working relationship so i think at at, at the right time over the next few years hopefully we'll be over and we'll do maybe something like a two two week or something east coast run or or something like that. We'll 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 definitely get over. Um, just yeah, it's we we don't move at the pace of like, you know, a band that's available two or six months. We get there, I think, eventually we will get there. But our, you know, our climb is just a bit slower because life. You know. Yeah, uh, I get it. I get it. 
you know. Um, you also do some other work outside of playing in a band and writing in bands. You you uh, you did some work with Pupil Slicer um, about a year or so ago. Um, kind of elaborate on on you know that part of your life. Yeah, so I uh, mix and record bands, mainly mix, and then I work with other mastering engineers um, to get to get the the records mastered and stuff. So I do, do a lot of production. So Pupil Slicer, um, Frontier played with them years ago in London, and I just kind of kept in touch with with Kate. And then I think just because of the connection through Frontier and our bands playing together they wanted me to do their debut album so then we basically did it i mean that was mixed during lockdown like at the start of it in 2020 uh, so their their debut lp I, I mixed it all and um yeah it was it was really great it was a great experience it was great 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 work with them and uh i think i, I linked them up with i gave them you know an email for Steve at Prosthetic, because uh, we, we spoke, I'd spoken to Steve before um, a few times, and I was like, if you want to try a label, like, you know, just get a pitch to them, you know, I can help with that if you want or whatever, just gave them some some advice, if, if they want to take it, it was up to them, and they did, and then they with Prosthetic, and now they've, you know, they've, they're blowing up, and they're doing really well, and I'm really happy for them, and uh, the record's doing really well, so it's been really cool to see that, and some of the other bands I've worked with as well, like I'm did the Fawn Limbs, one of the Fawn Limbs albums, like they're insanely talented bunch of musicians. I don't know if you've listened to much of their stuff, um, but you should if you've not uh, worked on their album. And bassist in my other band, Calm, he's got another band called Code Speaker. I mixed that album. That was one of the first ones I mixed properly under Outlier Sound, and that was in 2017, and it's just coming out now. Nice. <laughs> Five five years later. So um yeah, going back to your point about the people slicer thing, it's uh they played Arc Tangent this weekend uh with us and it's really good seeing them uh do so well. And I'm I'm very happy for them and I'm really interested to see where they where they go next. Um, yeah. for sure. I, I see them pop up every now and then. And it's interesting. Do you uh do you get any kickbacks like uh you know from prosthetic for finding that band? Do you ever you know, do you get any kind of like financial compensation for you know, finding a roster or a, um, a person to put on their roster. <laughs> no, because no, I, I, I didn't think of anything like that. At the end of the day, like it was, I just, I just gave, gave, uh, you know, Pupil Slicer like a, an email and it was up to them really whether like they right. wanted to release it and how they wanted to do it. So like their pitch and them, them winning over the label and everything like that, it's like, that's all on them. I don't take finders fees or anything. I, 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 I've been asked a few times to like you know do management or management of bands i had a really bad experience with one band uh who shall not be named um and uh yeah i mean it it put me off giving too much advice because i was just taking advantage of and they really fucked me over in the days where i i was like thinking about doing production full time it was like my first gig and uh they really i got really screwed over at that time and i thought well I learned my lesson. I'm like, well, this is why people have contracts and shit, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I just like, I just like working with friends. I like working with people I can trust and whose music I enjoy. And that's nine times out of ten what I'll do most of the time, unless I like I really love the project. Um, right. So yeah. Well, let's round this out with the future of uh, Frontier, since that's the main project that we're kind of talking about. 
obviously you guys dropped an album almost a year ago in October. Um, who knows how long ago that was written? I'm assuming it was delayed. So it was written previous to, uh, you know, the release date or even had a previous release date before that. So what's the future of the band hold uh, outside of obviously in October, you're going to Australia. Um, do we have new music? Do we have new singles coming out that we're planning, you know, new album? Well, just on the note of Oxidize, while you mentioned, I mean, some of those riffs in their base form were maybe written in like 2017, 2018, and then, you know, around the time I wrote the last album, Unloved. So some stuff had been kicking about for a while, but a lot of it was fairly new and fresh. Yeah, so we're going away to Australia in October. We're doing six dates around most of the, um, from the East Coast down to the South of Australia. So that's from around the 9th to the 20, 21st. We're over there. Uh, we don't have any other confirmed tour plans after that. There's nothing, there, yeah, because there's nothing confirmed. There's talk about a couple of ideas. There was talk about America before, but there's nothing concrete yet. In terms of new music, I have uh, 24-odd songs sitting on my hard drive right now, but that's from maybe an era where I'm not going to take a lot of that forward. I might only take one or two of those songs forward. So there's plenty of stuff there, and there will be new material out but I'm going to take a bit more time on it to just enjoy life and enjoy writing. And I got like a, we can't see it in here, but I got like a big old Native Instruments keyboard and uh, the complete 13 Ultimate Edition, which has got about every sound you could ever want in it. So I've, I still need to nerd out and play with this thing. So I haven't written any music in like eight months. Uh, so there's going to be new music and there will be, there will be tours. Um, there's maybe a couple opportunities come up, sort of European side again that we might take, and uh, we're just working away. I just don't want to give people false hope about yeah, no. things that may or may that may or may not happen. There's been collaborations talked about with some of my favorite artists and lots of good stuff. So just watch the space, sign up to our Bandcamp mailing list, and uh, look out for some hopefully some new merch fulfillment options I would say to some of our fans because I sit and pack all of it and I fucking hate it. I'm so <laughs> done with packing merch now. Yeah. I'm so done. I, I, sorry, if you will go ahead, Dave. I know you were trying, I know you were trying to send me something previously and I know it just because we haven't had a chance to do this yet. So I know you've been holding on to something you wanted to send me for nine, 10 months now. So, uh, I'll get you my address or you can send me whatever that was, but I think it was a shirt or an album or whatnot, if I'm kidding mistaken, but def I, def I definitely want it. Don't think I don't want it, but again, things have just been crazy in general. So do it, man. Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I hate doing the merch now, but I think it's gotten to the point where it's off a, it's off a scale where I just cannot manage the volume of it on my own. So we are looking at fulfilling options for everything. Um, for, well, for outsourcing, everything is, outsourcing is not a bad idea in general. Like not only just for that particular part with merch and stuff like that, but you know, for bands that are doing everything themselves, it's good that you're doing everything yourself by all means, but there will be a, there will be a time and a certain level that it then becomes a hindrance into your creation of the art. And it would be, it behoove you better to, or behoove you more to outsource the tedious things, whether it's even posting on your social media, like things like that, those like people don't take into consideration, like to properly do social media or to properly do anything in this particular point, you have to look at it like a job. And if you want your band to succeed, and for it to be a full-time job, 
preferably down the road. You have to, unfortunately, expand your team. Most nine times out of ten, expand your team, and uh, you know, bring that help on so you can focus more so on just the art itself and not the logistical nightmare stuff and all the other bullshit on the other end. Well, that's it. I think seeing that we're seeing the value without it is making us seeing the value potentially moving forward with it on some elements. So you've had to learn first without, and now it's like, okay, cool. We're at this level. We need to kind of step things up. I think for live though, we've always been in a place where we've had a team because it's kind of necessitated that. So necessitated that. So we have a lighting engineer, we have an audio engineer, a sound guy, we have a merch guy and we have a photographer, video guy who doesn't do the social media, but he does all the content for it. And then we post it. So yeah, having a good team is, is integral to, to it all running smooth and very privileged that we got some great guys behind us. So look out for some easier merch options in the future. That's all I'm saying. Cool. And again, I should probably say like your team can also be other members in the band. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. like, like as I was saying, our bassist Callum, for example, like he he has the, the merch nailed, and he speaks five languages. So when we go to Europe, like he can converse in French or Spanish or Portuguese or definitely a you know, plus. Yeah, yeah. Like we we've 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 got like everybody provides their talents. You know, it's it's great. Um, so we we are a team as a band, and then we've got a team uh, of crew as well who basically feel like other band members as well, which is great. Cool. Well, Pedro, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you being so flexible and willing to constantly delay this meeting of ours for almost a year. Uh, again, I apologize for that, but I, I hope it was worth it on everyone's end. I hope it, because uh, we'll relaunch the pod, we'll, we're relaunching the podcast in a couple weeks uh, in time from today, obviously. Uh, by now, the podcast is released and everyone's listening to it, but this was recorded weeks before. So we're relaunching that all and uh, it'll be more prominently featured on the website and just properly advertised and properly promoted going forward. So um, this hopefully will be a big comeback for not only us, but for, for a place for everyone to find out about you guys. Um, I do want to also say I, I looked at your sound, not SoundCloud, your Spotify listeners, and I was wildly impressed because I think I remember looking at it uh, months, if not almost a year ago, and it was, correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be wrong and I might be just daydreaming this, but I think it was like two to 3,000 listeners a month at that particular time, and I think last I looked, it was 20, 21,000 uh, monthly listeners on, on that platform, so you're doing something right, whether it's, you know, the music or the planning or something or the, the kids on Twitter retweeting you, but definitely... Um, definitely doing something right. And I look forward to, you know, seeing you guys grow and hopefully one day get over here and we can, you know, have a hangout in person. Yeah, man. It's, it's great seeing you on, on a zoom as opposed to just seeing still you on Instagram and hearing your voice as well. So yeah. it's uh it's been, it's been fantastic chatting to you. I really appreciate your patience and, and as well in, in, in the replanning and organization. And, you know, we're just too busy dudes. So we made it happen and it's been great. And, uh, I'm really glad to have made a new friend. So yeah, for uh, sure. It's awesome, Dave. And I was going to say, um, I, if you don't mind making sure we get your updates, I don't know if you have to reach out depending on, you know, who uh, handles your, your media and your news uh, press stuff, but make sure we're on the list of it so we can get, uh, you know, any information from you guys so we can kind of help post about it and get you guys out there even more so. So that way when you do come to the States, you'll have a bigger audience than you would have. So, um, 
yeah, let everyone know where they can find, you know, your band, uh, whether it's social media, um, streaming platforms, such like that. And I'll let you have the floor. Cool, man. No, thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, so we're all on, uh, on Spotify, on Bandcamp. Bandcamp's free, but I'll send you the links afterwards. You can embed the many socials that you want to use, but um, it is all free and uh, you can download it or you can pay what you want. And uh, yeah, thank you again so much. Lamb Goat's been on my, my list for a while. I was always like, who who's on Lamb Goat? Because like, I want to I wanna speak to somebody at Lamb Goat because like, <laughs> we, we haven't been posted on there. So I'll definitely uh, keep you in mind, Dave. And uh, thank you to everybody who's, who's listened to us. Thank you to everybody who's came out and checked us out, whether you came all the way from America over to Europe to see us at like a festival or a club level show when you're traveling or or or, or anything like it's really appreciated and uh yeah we just have the best and most dedicated and hardcore fans ever and i'm so looking forward to playing with our uh australian uh australian fans in in october and beyond so thank you all right well have a good one man you too man take care and uh i will catch you later on i'll send you like an email or something later all right Yes, welcome everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!